Hello there, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Michael Likes Stuff podcast. So glad that you're tuning in. It's May. May Cinco de Mayo today. Also Mother's Day this weekend. So mom, if you're out there listening, happy Mother's Day. I love you. Everybody treat your mama right this weekend, okay? And enjoy Joel and I's episode today of The Clingers Have Spoken. We talked about Survivor. Then at the end, we talked a little bit of Grizzlies. We talked a little bit of Titans. So yeah, enjoy. Thank you so much for listening and hope they have a great rest of your week. Bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of The Clingers Have Spoken. My name is Joel Klinger. Alongside me, as always, through Zoom is my brother, Michael, and we are going to walk you through episode 10 of Survivor 42. Michael, how are you doing this Thursday afternoon? Doing good, man. I've had a, I've had a busy day, but a good day. The weather has been balling here in sunny Nashville, and so, yeah, I'm doing good. Watched a, a really lovely episode of Survivor last night. I laughed. I cried. I was intrigued by strategy, all the pieces of a good Survivor episode. Yeah, it was a good episode. I thought it was a bit anticlimactic throughout the whole season. I, I guess because, like, in my mind, I thought it would have taken more to get high out. Or, you know, high would have seen a backstab coming. And, dude, he just, like, didn't, like, at all. Which I thought was, I thought was interesting because, like, I guess, like, we were like, oh, High's like kind of like Ricard, and he's just very—he's going to be very good and very like influential throughout this whole game. And I don't know, just to see him and like that, it's like, oh, okay. I don't know. I guess my heart wasn't like pounding. I guess. I mean, he came in eighth place, so that's you know, two. There's going to be two more episodes, and then the finale, or maybe even one—just one more episode, and then the finale. So he made it. He made it pretty far. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the reason why they got him out was because he was doing pretty well, right? Um, but I thought it was interesting how they how they did it. So, like, you know, Omer's just straight up trying to take Mike. Omer has, like, every alliance you could possibly imagine in this game. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to take Mike from high real fast. And he just did it so effortlessly. Like, Mike was pissed. And then Omer just saw the crack and just, you know, ripped it wide open, you know, like, like, which is kind of crazy to me. I like that Omer clarified. Well, you know, just to rehash what we're talking about here, Omer tells Mike that High said that Mike is in his pocket and will do whatever he says. And it's his puppet. His puppet is the word he used. That's right. And the thing about it was, People tell lies all the time on Survivor, but that was a really good lie because it sounded like something High would say. Yeah. You know, because Mike has seen High talk that way about other people probably to Mike. And so for Mike to hear that High is talking that way about him, I, I mean, he was surprised, but he wasn't like, no, that can't be real. Yeah. Yeah, like the, I feel like to have a good lie, there's got to be like a little nugget of truth and then expound on that and, you know, make like and you see the title of the episode, like 
you know, if you're going to lie, make it like a good lie or whatever. And I thought like maybe High was going to be able to figure that out or like Mike was going to be able to figure that out. And no, it was actually Jonathan that was calling out High. Um, and, you know, like this is like all time bad episode for High, of course. I mean, he got voted out. But also like, you know, saying that lie, like Omer has done that a lot where he has just been shady. And Lindsay was with him this time. Um, and Lindsay shared like her nugget of truth that she shared with High with Mike. And that kind of like pulled them closer together. But like Omer's just like just deceptive enough where no one will go and just like say, Did you say this about me? What do you mean? You know, like Mike wasn't going to high at all. He was just like, All right, that's done. Yeah, and I I think, you know, Omer is so flying under the radar as a sneaky guy because of the way he dresses and the way he looks. He's such a devout Muslim that he's still doing all of his prayers. <laughs> and yet, at the same time, he is going around and spinning lies to people. And I'll say, good thing that High voted, got voted out for Omer because... If High talks to Mike and Mike is like, I can't believe you would say that about me. And High's yeah. like, say what? And he's like, I'm your puppet. High's going to be like, I never, I literally never said that. Which Mike might not have believed and still believed what Omer told him. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a great episode for Lindsay and a great episode for Omer. You know, if only Lindsay had found that uh, idol that she literally touched when she was reaching oh up in gosh. the tree. She literally oh touched it and she couldn't grab the thing. And so, yeah, Lindsay, uh, let's see all the things that Lindsay did this episode. Uh, Lindsay touches the idol, but doesn't find it. Okay. But then Lindsay wins reward who the, she then takes Omer and Mike. And we've already talked about, you know, the, the incredible meaning that transpired there. Um, Lindsay's crushing the episode at this point. Lindsay then wins immunity over Jonathan. And Lindsay was down to get Jonathan out, but she was also down to get high out. I think Lindsay had a, had a big episode. Oh, for sure. For sure. And we've kind of, I've kind of been waiting because Lindsay up to this point, they haven't really shown her a ton considering the votes that she's been a part of. And I was wondering, is this like a, you know, is this a person that just gets voted out like at the merge or is this just like an under edit? And it seems to me like it was an under edit and she's playing more of a game now, which, um, which is nice. And, uh, yeah, it was crazy to see her like get that. And I'm sure like, I would love to be in the room with these survivors as they like watch the episodes that they're in. And like, I would love to see Lindsay's reaction to just like, are you, are you, are you serious right now? <laughs> like, that's that close. I was that close. Like, that's that's got to be so frustrating. Um, but Marianne gets it, and Marianne is perfect for Marianne because she just played her idol, so no one knows she has this. Which is like, man, Marianne. Like, Marianne's Survivor game has low key been like really good. Like, other than I think no one takes her seriously and would never give her a million dollars. Would they? I don't know. Like, Erica was a college student, right? From Canada. 
Right? No, Erica suit. is like 30 years old. Is she 30? Oh. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they would give Marianne a million dollars because, like, people seem to be willing to, like, cut her. I don't know. If I was, like, Omer, I would just, like, drag her to the end. Even though you're, you're, he's not really dragging her. So here's, here's the problem with Omer's strategy. And he, so instead of letting everyone vote off Jonathan tonight, he then turned everything around so that it would be his doing and getting high out. But the more that you do that and the more strategic people you get out, the more of a threat you are. So Omer in the last couple episodes has gone from being like middle of the pack threat in everyone's eyes to being like one of the most threatening players in the game. In fact, he's saying if no one thinks Jonathan is a threat, then maybe I should keep him. And it's like, and if no one thinks Jonathan's a threat and you're in the game and High's not in the game, then you are now the threat that people are going to be coming for. Yeah, but do people recognize that? It, it It is crazy to me that we have made it through, like, what, five votes after Emerge, and Omer has just, like, not even come up as an option, like, one time. Like, that's crazy to me. He has it one immunity once. He hasn't even competed for immunity, really. And, like, no one is even thinking about him. Everyone else's name has come up except for like maybe Lindsay and him and Mike. And it's like, I just don't know if people can, like Drea was like, I feel like I'm watching from home and I'm thinking, you know, my, my family's going to say like, you should have gotten high out. But like, she wasn't thinking that when it comes to like Omer, which I just, I just feel like, I don't know. And it should, it should, if they're aware of everything that's going on, it should, but I don't know if it, if that's connecting. So here, here's what I like. I don't understand how people cannot see that some people are threats because shouldn't you be thinking? Obviously, you're thinking about how you can get to the end and win a million dollars, but aren't you also thinking about like who would I vote for to win a million dollars that's here? And if I would vote for them, then they're a threat. Isn't that what people should be thinking? Like, I don't, but then they end up like voting for someone at the end and they're like, yeah, I didn't even think about them when I was in the game. And it's like, so what changed? I feel like you have to, you have to, to a certain point, I feel like now's the time where you really start to think, who do I want to sit next to? And more importantly, who do I not want to sit next to? Um, but really, you have to get to like the final six to be able to do that. And we're not there yet. So we'll see, you know. Um that's really interesting to see whether Jonathan makes it because I don't think that this group of people would give Jonathan a billion dollars. Um, Not now, probably. But, you know, Omer's a vet. He doesn't really need it, right? No one really needs this money, I feel. You know, Mike has been in construction, lives in New Jersey. Uh, or No, he's a firefighter. He's a firefighter, right? Um, But, like, looking back, it's like, I don't know if anybody really needs this money, so it's like, I don't really know if that's like a valid reason, you know, to like, I, I don't know. I don't know what criteria other than gameplay comes in this season, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, there's some people I don't think are going to win. There's Romeo. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think Marianne is going to win. 
no matter how many idols she gets, I think she gets on people's nerves and is really young. And I just don't think anyone's going to want to give her a million dollars. I think Mike has everything going for him from a personality perspective, but he might not have the game resume necessary to win. Omer right now has the game and the personality resumes. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that um, I read a tweet from Rick Devins, uh, season 38 uh, contestant, and he was saying, Omer is playing a game that on TV is very, very good, but eventually it becomes a problem when everyone on the tribe is you're their number one friend because when they get voted off, they're going to be bitter for at you for voting them off. That, yeah. that, that he was saying that if Omer gets to the end at this point, he might have a really bitter jury that he's dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. It, I feel like different people will weigh those differently. I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like Romeo may take it personally if Omer dumps him, but I feel like High is not going to take it personally, you know, because High's like, wow, that was like good gameplay. You know, like, I feel like it just depends on the person. Like, I feel like if you burn Mike, yo, Mike's not going to be cool with that. Like, you're, Mike's not going to get your vote. You know, you're, Mike, you're not going to get Mike's vote. So, like, I don't know. It just depends. So, like, I would just put, like, the most temperamental people there with me in the, in the final three so that they won't vote me. They won't vote for somebody else. You know, like, it's just... Yeah, it's just interesting because, I mean, Omer's doing this, but he's doing it, like, kind of quietly. And I don't know. Like, that goes – there's pros to that and cons to that when it comes to Final Tribal. Pro is, like, you're not going to take all the heat for the person being out and being resentful for however long they're in Ponderosa. But then the, the con of that is, like, you know, how are they going to take that you are behind it or that – or they, are they going to believe that you made that move, you know? Um so really, like I, I, I love Omer's position in this game. I just don't know if he's gonna win the million dollars. And I, I seriously do. I, I don't really believe in bitter juries anymore. I mean, I think in season forty-two, I feel like that phase of Survivor might be behind us. Now they're not gonna want to give it to someone they genuinely don't like. But I think that someone who was I. Everyone on the tribe thought was their best friend making it to the end. Instead of people being mad at them, I think people might be like, wow, they, they had us thinking they, that they were our best friend. I guess they're really good at Survivor. I feel like it might be taken more like that now than it would have been 10, 15 years ago. So I don't really know if I'm buying the bitter jury thing anymore. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm re recollecting to like, uh, Sarah, like Lucina, or even like Parvati. I remember jurors were like, "Was were our conversations like real, or were you just screwing with me the whole time?" You know, because I felt like you took it too far if that was like your game plan. But also, Lucina and Parvati also won. So <laughs> it's not it's not too far. There's no rules. You know, yeah. everyone gets to. I guess everyone gets determined for themselves what's too far. And that's the beauty of it is that, you know, your your definitions of too far can be 
different and the person that's talk- talking to you, you might think, wow, this is purely a human conversation that we're having and it might not be to them. And if that hurts your feelings, then you can vote for someone else for a million dollars at the end. And that's a beautiful thing about Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what ask you, so they, so Omer, Lindsay and Mike, which I was so confused why Lindsay chose Mike, but it made sense. I guess they had planned that her and Omer. Um, but like they show up and they're eating this pizza and then all of a sudden they hear like voices that are sounding like a freaking haunted house. Did you catch like, that was terrifying. I was like, am I hallucinating? Yeah, that was really weird. I thought someone was out in our like breezeway uh, between apartments, like talk. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, that was pretty weird. Uh, but I did find it like really touching. I don't think they did that in season 41 where there was any sort of loved ones videos. Yeah, uh, they didn't show it at least. Yeah. And like they, that that's kind of sucks if that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, they might have done it and still not shown it. I, I, I am a sucker for the loved ones, man. I, I love a good loved ones visit, notes from home, you know, all that. Cause I think about like, man, if I hadn't, if I was out there, like who would I want to send me a, a message or who would I want my loved one to be? Like, it would be, it'd be really like just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's moving just to watch other people have that experience. Like I can't imagine like that like going through that experience personally yeah yeah i i thought yeah i just thought the setup was super weird like with this multiple different size screens on barrels (laughs) yeah that was weird that was a little bit overdone they didn't have a sprint phone to give them i guess like these people are literally starving they're probably thinking that they are having like some type of like episode just sitting there and they hear like their loved one just randomly start talking. They look up at their just faces just plastered eight times. <laughs> it's like, Oh my gosh, can we like cool down a little bit? Um, but yeah, that was kind of like chaotic for me. I, that took me a while to figure out what's happening. And I, if I was there, I probably would have lost my mind, but yeah, I just thought that was weird. Um, but other than that, like it was a pretty simple episode. Like I said before, I felt it felt like, you know, pretty non anticlimactic. Um, I okay, was, but I I did think that they were changing the vote to Jonathan. Oh, you did? Didn't, didn't like I bought that when they were when like Lindsay when Lindsay when said it got the switched thing about, back around at the it's because it started out clearly going to be Jonathan and or no clearly going to be high. No, there was a first initial conversation about Jonathan in the episode, and then after the challenge. It was going to be high, but then it sounded like things were moving back towards Jonathan. It sounded like Omer was the one moving people back towards Jonathan. Yeah, well, Omer did. Omer said the thing that it's like it, it did get me for like a half second because he was like, you know, no one wants to work with high, so maybe I want to work with high because that seems to be his MO like all season, you know, um, and but like the conversations that they showed never said I think it's right. We should get out high or like they never, they like rarely even brought up like high's name in specific. It was just like very vague. Like, yeah, he's pretty strong, you know, or like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, like I think it, it I, I wasn't really bought in. And then when Lindsay said the thing she did at tribal, um, 
that Jonathan was like, whoa, like, I'm going to need to take a second to, like, process that, Jeff, uh, Mr. Jeff. Uh, and then, like, High jumped in with his great social game of, like, yeah, well, that just means that people have different strengths and all this stuff. And it's like, hi, bro, you're going home, man. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what it was. It was the stuff at Tribal Council, like, they're like, we got to make it a more level playing field, this and that. And I was like, when, and then they kept showing Jonathan's face. And I was like, it might be Jonathan. I don't know. So that goes to show you that no matter how many times you've watched Survivor, the old who's it going to be is still entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I really don't think that there was much conversation. This seemed like pretty cut and dry that they were going to get high. Um I would love to revisit our picks from episode one. Oh boy. Oh boy. So both of our winners are still in. Michael, you picked Drea to win. Okay. And I, I picked Omer. How do you feel about Drea? I think Drea could win. I think that she's like relatively well liked by all the remaining people. I don't I wouldn't say she would be my winner pick at this point, but I think she's in the running. I think she could make the finale and she I bet she gets voted out. I bet she comes in like 5th or 4th place. Yeah, I could see it. Um we'll see. We'll see if she has like much strategy. It seems like she's just gone along with whatever anybody else has said so far. So I wonder what that conversation that argument would look like at final tribal. Um but she did know, play I, an idol correctly to save herself, though. She did. That is true. Um, and she has 15 more advantages um, left. So, yeah. Uh, Mike still has an idol, and Marianne has an idol, but no one knows about Marianne's idol. So, in order for Drea to use the knowledge's power, she'd have to use it on Mike, I guess. Um, just kind of crazy. Because yeah, I don't, Mike hasn't even thought about using his idol yet. It's just like ah, I have it, you know. Well, he didn't um, even want to say the phrase before the merge to get it. Yeah. He was like, "It'll be there when I make the merge." He's just like not been any in any danger. Yeah, and also I think back to the first episode when, or like the second or third episode when he found the thing and showed Daniel, and Daniel and Chanel were like, Mike is kind of like a pawn, like we're keeping him around because we want his idol. And like all this stuff. And it's like, man, the game is just, just, you never know where it's going to go, you know? Um, and I, I'm happy Mike's still around. Uh, I picked Omer. I've talked plenty about Omer on this podcast several times. Omer's a beast. He's my guy. I still, I love that pick. I loved it every episode. I'm all in on Omer. He's my guy. Um, you were right on Mariah not making the merge. So good job. There you go. Forgot about Mariah. I had Tori not making the merge. She's out now, so I didn't get that right, but close enough. You had both of your other finale, two your two finale picks are both gone, unfortunately. Tori um, and High? Tori and High are both gone. Yikes. So, um, and I still have one. I have Lindsay. I had Lydia. Lydia's gone. Um, so, yeah. That's I'd say that's pretty solid for us, you know. Yeah, did we pick that after the first episode? First episode, yeah. Wow, 
Not a lot to go on from that episode, but yeah, just uh, our intuition, you know, our survivor instinct. I feel um, like the narrative has been really weird. The meta narrative of of the ep- of the season thus far, it, it, like last year or last season, it really seemed like Shannon Ricard was like the story. Yeah, and then the Black Alliance was the story. And I don't really know what the story is right now. Yeah. It's just a it's just a conglomeration of like likable characters for me. You know, like I lo- I really I'm really enjoying the season. But there's no like narrative or like cliffhanger. You know, like it's like what's going to happen next week and they just like throw together like a bunch of names. And uh yeah, like I don't know. I do see what you're saying, though. There's no meta narrative, right? There's no, there's no uh, uh, grandiose uh, figure that is seemingly popping out of here. I mean, yeah, like I don't know. I think like of people that I would cast again last season. I it was like very clear, like Ricard Shan. Um, Evie. Evie. I feel like those three are like pretty likely to get cast again. I don't. I mean, other than Omer, I don't know like who I would cast again out of the group that we have. Like Marianne, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I could see Marianne. Uh, I could see High. Um. Yeah, that's that's true. Um. Because like all the other people are like likable characters, but they're not like they're not big characters. Yeah, they're not like huge move, unpredictable type. Yeah, like I'm rooting for like Mike at this point. You know, I'm rooting yeah. for Mike. I like Omer. Um, you know, I I, I would be down for Drea winning, but like I don't I don't really see. A lot of like Jonathan. I feel like there's probably a lot of Jonathan fans out there. I don't like he is a beast in the challenges. So incredible, incredible. He yeah. I would love to see. I guess like this would be hard to do because a lot of like the um the challenge beasts are past their physical primes uh, throughout the years. Like you know like Terry Dietz. Like he's not going to come back and be like good in challenges or. Ozzy. Ozzy. Yeah. I, like, so that's probably not, but I would love to have seen like a season that was all challenge beasts <laughs> or like James, like a, Ozzy, Joe, Jonathan, <laughs> Joel. <laughs> I would like, I would like to see that, but, or like an all nerd season, like sign me up for, um, Christian, Adam, Steven, Steven, David, Cochran, and just put all those little nerds out on an island. But Dude, there'd there, be some mega mind gameplay. You have you have two seasons that are airing at the same time. So you have so one is on Wednesday nights and one is on Thursday nights. You've got Challenge Beast Survivor and Strategy Survivor. What if? Hear me out. What if you start with like two seasons 
and you just do two seasons like normal at the same time. And then halfway through, you chisel them both down to 10 or 9. And then you say, congrats, you're merging. And then the two seasons come together to form a <laughs> mega season. Oh, a mega season. So it's like, it's like a way, it's a really long season. But it's like the, the people that are on the island have no idea that like there is a whole nother season happening at the exact same time and they're gonna have to meet these strangers and like do it all over again i was gonna i thought you were gonna say one tribe from one season merges with one tribe from another season and like a mix and match so it still stays two seasons but they're not merging with the people that they've been competing against in the challenges yeah that would be weird but like they've been doing all the same challenges and everything (laughs) yeah like I I just I think a mega season. I just had that idea now. I think that's an awesome idea. I need to call Jeff Probst and get him on the phone. Just like really, because they've been able to like shorten the season. Like you can cut it down. I'm sure you could do it in 39 days. It would be tough. You may have to do like multiple double eliminations. But like that would be fascinating to just like have your whole game mapped out. It's like I know exactly what I'm gonna do, and then you're just smashed in, and you're one in 18 instead of one in nine, <laughs> and you're like, oh no. But man, that'd be sick. That would be sick. So if they do that ever, I said it first. There's no way they'll ever do that. Why not? That like, I don't think they, Joel, you're the one, you're getting mad when they overturn an immunity challenge. And now you're saying that they should think that they're in the final 12, but they're really in the final 20. But to me, that's not like an that's not like an unfair advantage, or that's not like I don't. That's not like edge of extinction. Like you earned your spot in that final twenty or that final eighteen, but you just thought it was final nine, and you're just wrong, you know? Yeah. Like I, I but like you can't tell me that would be awesome. Like imagine season forty one and season forty two happening at the same exact time. Imagine Omer and High and. Marianne merging with Shannon Ricard and Xander and Evie. And Ricard and High literally know each other. Well, yeah, that would be kind of unfair. They need to do some better scouting, more diverse scouting with that. Like how do you how can you like I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I heard they like met High at a bar and were like, dude, you should come on Survivor. And it's like the same the same like bar that Ricard goes to. Like, what the heck? What are we doing? What are we Dude, doing? that's how all of these shows are. It's just like, it's that's so awful. random like that. So many people work on these tapes to send in. Just like, you can't say that we take a diverse group of people, put them on an island, when you're pulling them from the same bars. Like, come on. Mm. What is that? Mm. We need what more that, bar Survivor? diversity. Go to more bars. Not just yeah. the same one. Go to like a sushi bar or something. See what's going on there. You know? Like, there's just go to O'Charlie's. See who's hanging out at the O'Charlie's. I would love to see a random person that's at the O'Charlie's bar, you know, on Survivor. It'd be sick. All the Survivor people are go to the Applebee's bars, Joel. Don't you know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. They use their sprint phones. They to love Applebee's. And, yeah. They want that baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. Baby back that ribs. That wasn't even an option, I don't think. Right this year, they had like the quesadilla burger. Oh, 
The quesadilla burger is terrible. I've literally had it. Oh, it's, really? It is not good. <laughs> it's like been on their menu for, you know, 12, 15 years. It's terrible. Don't eat the quesadilla burger, people. Good it's to bad. Know. I don't know if I'll ever go to Applebee's ever again in my life, but that's good to know. Good information. Um, any thoughts on what is going to happen next week? I think that I did call high getting voted out when on the episode last week. So, um, I think Jonathan might be ripe for the picking if he does not win immunity. Cause I don't think that they want to go to final five because it's not so much that he's a threat to win. It's more of, he might take my spot in the final three. If he wins immunity after immunity, after immunity, or he'll yeah. have more power over who is in the final three. Yeah. And if he wins four in a row, it's kind of like if I was, if I, if I was on the jury and Jonathan had like six immunity challenge wins, I would probably just give him, you got it. You got, yeah. At some point, that's a really big part of the game that you need to acknowledge. Yeah. So, yeah, so. I I would say Jonathan next week, but he could very well win immunity, or they could just do the same thing that they did this week and vote somebody else off. I think that's what Omer has going for him is that he, he can still point at Jonathan and say, we need to get him off. But Omer is also tight with everyone. Everyone probably sees Omer as a part of their final three. So that's good for him. Yeah, in the preview we saw Drea, Mike, Omer, and Lindsay talking about a Final Four, um, which is interesting to me because Taku has not lost a single person since the merge. And it's like, yo, just ride it out. I mean, like, I would feel comfortable if I was any one of those that I could make an argument that I deserve it over anybody else in that group. You know? Like, who... Who is going to say no to a Taku 4 in the Final Four? Um, I think Marianne? Marianne does. I think she wants to get rid of John. Like, I don't think Marianne is a dumb person. I think she wants to get at least Jonathan out of the game. Probably Lindsay. I think Marianne probably is like, it needs to be me and Romeo and whoever else ends up there. And Omer. Maybe yeah. so. Maybe that's, that's the final thinking. three. That would be a crazy final three. Out of the seven to have Marianne, Romeo, and Omer, that would be wild. Omer would have been a million dollars so fast. That would be insane. At this point, though, I do think Romeo is kind of a lock for final three. And think? I think I think if it had swapped where Romeo got voted out last week and Tori was still in, I think Tori would be a lock for the final three. Because I, I just think, think that there's such non-threats that at this point they'd be they'd be headed towards the sitting at the final tribal council. That's crazy. Like to think that if Romeo getting like third or second place in the season is wild, because he hasn't really done anything. But like, not that he's done anything wrong. It's just no one's given him the chance to like do anything. You know. And that's who comes in third place. <laughs> Nora. <laughs> That's the definition of a third place finisher. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Xander last season. Um but yeah. Well, cool. I don't really have a prediction for next week. I have no idea who's gonna go home. Could be anybody. Hopefully Omer's name doesn't come up because I love that guy. 
Um, but uh, yeah, you got anything? Any big plans for for this weekend? I know the Grizzlies play on Saturday, and they beat up on the Warriors Tuesday. Yes, the Grizzlies play on Saturday, and Dylan Brooks has been suspended for that game. I heard. So. That's going to be so, tough for them. I mean, honestly, it's actually not going to be that tough for them to overcome. I actually the Grizzlies are going to win. I actually think Brooks has been pretty bad in the playoffs. He has hit a surprising amount of three-pointers in my opinion, and that was bound to run out soon anyways. I think Melton is a Melton and Zaire Williams are both way better matchups against the Warriors than Dylan. Zaire should get on the floor way before Dylan does. Like, that fit is so much better. Like, literally, I tweeted out, when Dylan Brooks plays at least 25 minutes, the Grizzlies are 17 and 12. When Dylan Brooks plays less than 25 minutes, the Grizzlies are 44 and 17. Like, yeah, exactly. a lot of those games were without him, period. And it's like, you're just throwing Dylan Brooks back in there. He's messing up the feng shui that these guys got going on. Like, Zaire's a baller. Like, he's exactly what you need. Especially against the Warriors. Like, remember when we went to that game uh, this season and we had never seen Zaire Williams play before, uh, and he was started on Steph Curry, and he matched yeah. up with Curry the whole game. And, like, that's what we need. We need a taller guy who can really move to guard Curry, and he is exactly that. Like, Melton can guard Curry okay, but Williams has the length to at least, like, bother him a little bit. Dylan Brooks, like, all that he's good for, honestly, is fouling <laughs> and, and, and roughing his, people up. Yeah, his on-ball defense is pretty good, but for what he does, the type of player he is on offense is just a net negative for me. Because it's like, he, what he does, he's not as good at as Jaw is. So it's like, I don't want him taking those types of plays away from Jaw because Jaw's just clearly better. You know, I don't want Dylan Brooks jacking up a triple when I can have Desmond Bain do the exact same thing. So, like, yeah. Well, Bain, like, the thing is, Bain is a much better shooter than Brooks, but Williams and Melton are like about as good at, at threes as Brooks is. Yes. And they're faster, smarter players. Yeah. And so. I'm totally fine with, with him being uh, suspended from a, a Team Grizzlies perspective. And honestly, I don't know. Like, the whole thing I thought last series was like, Steven Adams has, I know he can't, like, stick with anybody out there, but the dude's got six fouls. Like, I, yeah. like go have him go out there and hard foul Carl Anthony Towns. He can sag off a of loony with the best of them. Yeah, you know? like, have him... You know, if have him go out there and hard foul somebody. I'm not saying like try to goon somebody, but like you got six fouls. If they're gonna, I think that the the crazy thing is that for some reason I think we can actually keep the Warriors from driving better than the Timberwolves because Anthony Edwards was kicking our butt. Yeah. The wings are a real problem. Like Wiggins is a problem. Like he's he last night or Tuesday night he looked really good. And like those types of sizable athletic wings can really cause problems for us. 
I mean, this is what we did at the end of the game, and this is what we're going to have to do, is we're just going to have to sag off Wiggins and give him open catch-and-shoot threes and hope he misses. I mean, that's what uh, teams were doing to... Like, that's how the Cavs beat the Warriors in 2016, is they just sagged off Harrison Barnes in the corner, and they said, look, we get it. He's pretty good, but he's the worst guy on the floor when it comes to catch-and-shoot. So we don't really have a choice other than to sag off him. Yeah. Uh, also, but like Steph was able to get into the paint at ease, with ease. Like yeah. the, the Warriors, the Warriors are outscoring the Grizzlies in paint points, which is just like crazy to say. But like the Grizzlies are chasing him off the three point line so much that they're just getting to the paint with ease. And I don't know how to fix that problem or if it's a problem that needs to be fixed. Yeah. And the thing is, Curry can score at ease, but Clay Thompson is not at a place anymore where if you chase him off the three-point line where he's he's a dominant finisher at the rim like he used to be. I mean, he is not – he's a shell of himself out there. And Jordan Poole is erratic. I mean, he's Dude, really good, but he's erratic. I – I've gotten to the point where I'm way more scared of Jordan Poole than I am of Klay Thompson. Yep. Like, I don't, I, I, when Jordan Poole shoots, I'm terrified. Like, a little more so than Steph the last couple games. And it's like, man, like, I, it's just so unfair that they just have another one of those guys. That just hurts, man. It's like, it's like, that's just so, it feels like cheating to have just like that much shooting ability and quickness on one roster on one floor at the same time like the well, Draymond Wiggins Pool Thompson Curry lineup is just nuts and that even though that's true the Grizzlies still have a really good chance against that lineup because if we're playing Jackson Clark Morant Bain and Zaire we actually match up against that pretty good about as well as anybody else so yeah brandon clark man what mvp a what a guy like just yeah man. things are gonna g- sorry go ahead he's so springy yeah. like him and jaw like watching them jump like watching jaws dunk tuesday night from where he jumped from almost a free throw line i was like there's no way it literally reminded me of like the space jam dunk with michael jordan you know, like I was like, his arms are just not that long. And then they just like were that long. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like that's the things that him and Brandon Clark can do are just like, like a year ago, I wouldn't have thought they were like humanly possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled with the Grizzly. I mean, if the Grizzlies don't win another game this series, I still think this season was a massive success. Um, that said, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about who they're going to pay moving forward because yeah. they need to they need to pay Brandon Clark and Jaw's going to get the supermax. Right. Uh, what is Jaren going to get? Jaren's already signed. Jaren's right? they've already given him the max extension, so he's locked down for another 3 years. Bane needs to get paid. Luckily, he is a first-round pick, so we don't have to make that decision until 
after next year. And he was the last first round pick, which is nice. Yeah, so he's going to need to get he's going to need to get a bag as well. Luckily, they're all young guys, so they're not making the max max. Um which Jaw will eventually be getting. He'll be getting the yeah. super duper max. Yeah. I mean, after in 4 years. When you look at guys that are expendable, the first two guys that come to mind are Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson. You know, if they're not on the roster, they're on the roster. Yeah, you but know. Kyle Anderson's like we could re-sign him cheaply, I feel like. I hope so. I mean, he's I like having him, but he would be one of the first to go for me. You know, John Conchar is not going anywhere for more than like $4 million, right? Um, Tillman, Adams. Tillman would be easy to re-sign, I think. I hope so. I hope so because it's like I hope these guys don't get greedy because they even talk they talk about their culture all the time. It's like this culture is like a special culture. It's a place to be. And it's like I hope they factor that in when they're signing places because they will be able to get more money other places, but it's just like or do you really want to go to Houston, right? Like do you really want to go to like a rebuilding Utah team to make two more two million more dollars a year? Everybody talks about the culture until they're giving up a million dollars a year, and then none of that matters anymore. See AJ Brown. Yeah. Well, AJ Brown, it seems like he wanted out. Like he was talking to Jalen Hurts about like playing in Philly. Like that was like he was totally prepared to do that. I mean, he asked the Titans for more money than he got with Philly. Exactly. Like, I'm so I get him out of here. I mean. That, I'm worried about the Titans culture right now. I'm worried about it. You're worried about the Titans culture? Yeah. Because How like so? I just think that as as much as the whole deal is AJ's fault and all that, I still think people are going to be like, "Yo, y'all traded like our best player." Like the reactions on Twitter from the Titans players when that trade was made, they were not happy about that. Yeah. I think I think the wide receiver market really screwed everything up because I think I think Jeff because if they're not gonna pay AJ Brown, if I'm Jeffrey Simmons, I'm like, are you gonna pay me? You know? But like I looked at Aaron Donald's contract and the Titans could pay Jeffrey Simmons Aaron Donald's contract. They may not, but they could. They can't pay a wide receiver the AJ Brown money that he got. You yeah. know, and, and I hope that the players realize that like unless you're a wide receiver, this isn't a hundred percent applicable to you. It is to an extent, sure. We're not the Rams. But also like you have to understand the amount of money that he was asking for is just nuts. Right. I mean, he was trying to be the like the the most highest paid player uh cor- uh receiver in the NFL. Yeah. And it's just uh- that's just not you're just not that guy. Like no offense, but you can't stay on the field for a whole season. And even if he was, Amy Adam Shrunk is not going to pay that money. You know? We don't Well, you because of the guaranteed money, you have to have it all backed up in escrow, which that even though there's a salary cap, now you actually have to like have the money in cash if you're an owner, which is a lot of like that adds up fast. And so like Stan Kroenke with the Rams he can pay the guaranteed contracts. Like, even if the team went bankrupt, he'd be able to pay it off. And so that's like an assurance you have to have in the NFL. You don't have to have in other leagues. But that's crazy. Um, so yeah, the I I am happy with the Titans draft though. 
Um, I'm not happy with Tannehill, not necessarily because of his uh, press conference where he said uh, he's not here to mentor Malik Willis because, like, Jared Jared Stillman on national radio made an ask is the one that asked him the question that he he was answering, but he also made a great point about it. He said it's not Tannehill's job to mentor him. He said he said, you know what, you guys are going to be calling during the weeks when he throws three picks and loses. His job is to win football games. Exactly. Okay, that's if he does that, we don't care what the rest of it does. But the problem is that he sucked last year. That's the problem. Yeah. It's not that he didn't mentor Malik Willis. It's that he was terrible, and then, you know, he's off fishing and not showing up to workouts. Like, that's voluntary schmoluntary. If you want to be the team leader that the whole Titans organization is saying that you are, you got to show up to workouts. Well, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but also, like, he, I mean, he was very open about, like, I played terrible. In that Bengals game, that was awful. Like I gotta, I have more of a will to win now than I ever had before, and it's like, you know, I respect him coming out and say, yeah, I played just terrible, you know, because like I feel like that would really dog you for months, you know, um, and have all the Titans tweets on Twitter just like all the fans just dogging on Tannehill, and it's like, dude, this is not helping him at all. Like if you want to help Tannehill, if you want to help the Titans, shut up, <laughs> you know, like yeah, like it. it don't don't just say put in Willis, put in Willis, or like all this stuff. Like no, you need to chill. Tannehill's fine, you know he's doing the best he can. If he's not fine next year, then we'll move on. But like you don't need to just tell him he's crappy every time he throws a pick. Well, I think that's the problem is people don't believe he's doing the best he can. Like that's that's the problem. He's off fishing during voluntary workouts. That's not Dennis- doing the best that you can. Dennis Rodman would just leave the Chicago Bulls and do whatever he wanted, show up for the game, and he'd play. And yeah. they won six titles. Yeah, and he's a Hall of Fame player. When Ryan Tannehill has the skins on the wall to not show up to stuff, let me know. But he looked like the Miami Dolphins' Ryan Tannehill last year. And if that does not improve, he will not be a Tennessee Titan past next season. I mean, because you, whether Willis is ready or not, they're going to throw him in in 2023 if Tannehill has a bad year this year. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, but also, like, I don't know. I don't hear it from, like, the players that Tannehill's not – like, did you hear Nick Westbrook-Akine talk about Ryan Tannehill? He was like they, – they were like, what did you think about Tannehill not showing up to voluntary workouts? And Nick Westbrook-Akine was like – uh, I mean, he looked pretty well conditioned to me. <laughs> he looks probably fitter than I've ever seen him. Like, well, I mean, Westbrook Akina, of course he likes Tannehill. Tannehill throws him the ball when he's triple covered, even though he's got wide open other dudes on the field. I mean, he threw the ball to West- Westbrook Akina is his favorite receiver. Of course, Westbrook Akina is going to have his back. Tannehill's out here forcing the ball 30 yards down the field to Westbrook Akina. He's got Julio Jones and AJ Brown wide open. I mean, Tannehill's a disaster. If he doesn't get it re- re- together this season, get him out of here. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I think a lot of people may blame Tannehill for the season if they don't, like, do well. I say do well as in, like, make the divisional round of the playoffs. But, like, his wide receiver core right now is trash. Like, it's pretty bad. I, w- I would argue it's kind of worse than last year. 
Like Robert Woods is coming off an ACL tear. They don't have AJ Brown. Julio Jones had moments where he was good. Their roster right now is a rookie. Robert Woods coming off a torn ACL. Nick Westbrook Akine, another rookie. And Mason Kinsey. Like, can we like take a pause and say that's really bad? Like that's those it are doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. A thirty million dollar quarterback should make it work. A thirty right. million dollar quarterback right. should because, make it work. Because Stafford was throwing a Nick Westbrook Akine to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, right, man. Like get out of here. What? That's literally his job. Dude, you've got Derrick Henry in the backfield. You get paid $30 million a year. We got you a better tight end. Make it work or get out. Let me ask you this. We don't pay $30 million to quarterbacks to suck. Let me ask you this. Ryan Tannehill goes to the Rams. Stafford comes here. Who has a better chance of winning the Super Bowl, the Titans or the Rams? Titans. That's just ridiculous, man. Are you kidding me? No. Dude. That Like... I think people act like the difference between Tannehill and Stafford is like astronomical. And I don't think it is. I think Stafford's better, but I mean, like that roster that they had on the Rams last year was just flat out disgusting, like nuts. Tannehill is probably the 15th best quarterback in the NFL and Stafford is the 10th. Exactly. That is not a big difference. Yes, it is. That's the difference between... The Titans being in the Super Bowl last year and the Titans you know, losing in the divisional round. You know, maybe the rest of the team just should have been better. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. He was terrible. Why don't we ever talk about that? Like, we're all like, Joel, just our, team, the quarterback. our team can't be better when we're paying $30 million to a quarterback. Yeah, well, some of that money. We, can't, we cannot spend money on other players when we're paying $30 million to quarterback. You want to know why we couldn't pay A.J. Brown? Because we're paying Ryan Tannehill $30 million for the next two years. Well, a lot of that was because Julio Jones uh, got traded to us. And who made that decision? Did Ryan Tannehill make that decision? No. Did Ryan Tannehill make the decision that Julio Jones is going to be hurt and ineffective the whole year? No. Hey, I'm not blaming Ryan Tannehill for Julio Jones. I, I, I have the receipts. I was against <laughs> the, the Julio Jones thing. Before the trade even happened. They were. And you got blasted for it. I, I got blasted and I was right. You got banned from Reddit because of that. I tape. got banned from Tennessee Titans subreddit. So who's laughing now? I don't know because I'm not in the subreddit. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we wore out the Grizzlies talk, the Titans talk. Yeah. Anything else to add this lovely afternoon? Just imagine if we were on radio, we could have that same argument six segments in a row all day. <laughs> people, people would call in. People would call and be like, you know, I think Joel's just absolutely wrong. Tannehill was terrible. He was garbage. Yeah, man. I, I as, a, as a former 1025 The Game intern, <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> I, uh, dude, um... After the Tannehill press conference, uh, the next day, I guess this was yesterday, Darren and Willie got into it on the radio about it. How? Because Darren was saying, how dare Tannehill say that? That's 
that's ridiculous that he would say that. And it's literally like we pay you $30 million a year. You should just be like a good person. And like if, if somebody has quite, and then Willie's like, he didn't say he was going to be mean to him. He just said, it's not his job and it's not. And it was, they were getting, it, it got intense. I don't normally hear those guys argue like that. It was, it was spicy. Dude, Willie is interesting. Willie growing up, I remember him as being like calm. And he, I feel like Willie is more like empathetic than some of those other guys. Like towards like, you know, whatever oh, 100%. situation. Like Jared Stillman will just like trash the coach or whatever. Willie Donick's like, well, you see, you know, like this. Willie's this is more probably this. This, the best sports radio talk guy in Nashville. Yeah. I, I, I loved listening to Willie growing up. Um, yeah, because, I mean, there's just, oh, my gosh. So, like, in that conversation, I just would have said to Darren, so, like, is it your job to, like, go mentor the interns that are sitting in the studio? Is that your job? Is that your job, Darren? Or is it your job to, like, put on a radio show and, like, be a, be a, be a voice, you know? Like, it's just, like, how do you not... How do you not immediately put that in your head? You know, like put yourself in their shoes, put them in your shoes, you know, like so much of sports radio is just like opinion, 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 yelling, yelling, yelling. And it's like, nah, dude, we have to have like a more nuanced, empathetic no, conversation. We don't. It's sports. We should. It's we should. sports though. No we one should. Sports is the, if you want to say we need to have a nuanced conversation about race, gender, politics i agree but sports is the only arena where it is still okay to just irrationally get mad about nothing and it's a beautiful thing don't try to take that away from us i feel like that is not healthy for our society because it's like you know people may say oh it's a release i you know maybe not maybe it's actually just like we're taking that anger that we feel in sports world and we're parlaying it into other worlds that we have where i'm on this team you're on that team i have this take you have that take i'm right you're wrong and i'm gonna yell at you about it i don't think that's healthy like i I mean i don't I, i i don't think this that it's sports joel it's fine i love i love the ringers content because mostly it is like hey I'm a nerd and watch a lot of this sport and I think this way and then it's like oh you think that way interesting I disagree I go this way but they're not like you're an idiot this guy should be fired tomorrow and it's like that's nice it's nice to me like growing up sports radio that's why I liked Willie it's why I like George um and in lieu of some other people that were in sports talk radio growing up and you know like that's just like how do you I, I just wish that it was a calmer conversation i just wish it was a calmer conversation yeah i mean that's boring though and that's what this conversation is turning into boring. so i'm going to end this right now everyone have a good week bye